Welcome to Mormon Visual Culture, a podcast presented by the Zion Art Society, and today, hosted by me, Eric Biggert. We have a special episode in store for you today. Uh, It's going to be shorter than a typical episode, but it is an interview with uh, four of our co-creators, co-curators, with a show that is opening on March 2nd, 2018, called Certain Women. Uh, They are Angela Reichman, Emily Caruth Fuller, Catherine Ricks, and Nicole Woodbury. Um, Them, along with us here at the Zion Art Society, we put together uh, a a show that's going to be open featuring LDS women. As far as we know, it's the first and only art show that has featured exclusively LDS women and was curated exclusively by LDS women. Uh, It was an invitational show. It's going to show for two months. We get into the details in the discussion. They talk about kind of their inspiration behind organizing such a show and what it would have meant to them to see one just like this, I don't know, 10 years ago when they were in college and that it would have just been a catalyst for their careers and that's what they're hoping to accomplish with this show. Uh, So pay attention. It's one microphone split between four of them. Uh, We had a little technical difficulties so there's a bit of a pause before someone starts to talk that's them swinging the microphone to themselves and uh, uh, hopefully you can pick out their voices individually I had them introduce themselves in the beginning uh, and that might make it a little bit easier for you Uh, and images uh, links everything we discuss will be on zionartsociety.org under the podcast tab let us know if you have any questions we hope to see you during the run of the show welcome to Angela, Emily, Katie, and Nicole. Okay, that's the order we're going in. So we're hoping everybody can pick out voice as well. Let's real quick go through. We're just going to introduce everyone a little bit so we can learn who's who and learn a little bit more about the show and the background of each uh, individual co-creator of this show. I'm Angela Reichman. Uh, We all met about 10 years ago on a study abroad and have managed to keep in touch since. It's I ended up graduating in the art education program, and after I graduated, decided to pursue a career as an artist, and I make figurative paintings. Great. Okay. I'm Emily Caruth Fuller, and like Angela said, we all met at BYU. Um, We did a study abroad together in Italy, and I graduated with my BFA in studio arts, and I make figurative work. I studied... After I graduated, I studied with Jeff Hine at the Hine Academy of Art. Friend of the show, Jeff Hine. Jeff Hine. Good guy. Um, I'm Catherine Ricks. Um, most people just call me Katie. Um, I met these girls at BYU. I don't know if we mentioned that's where we went to school, uh, where we did study abroad. You can never mention you went to BYU too oh. much. <laughs> Not in my presence, sorry. at least. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, so we all met on study abroad in Italy. I graduated in 2D studio, um, and I am an oil painter. Hi, my name is Nicole Woodbury. Um, I also went to BYU for sculpture, and um, yeah, that's what I study. So I'm originally from Texas, and so I just had to plug that in there. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So now that we've got through classroom introductions, first day of school, it's always very awkward and terrible. Everyone went to BYU. That's great. So we've got arts education, studio arts, 2D studio, which means that you're not allowed to create any dimension (laughs) and and sculpture which means you have to have dimension okay 3d design 
Man. I think that's what they call it. I went to studio. BYU. It was studio. I studied political science, studio. which has nothing to do with any of this. Um, and Michael went to the University of Utah, Sotheby's, the University College London. So he uh, is missing out on this because he's not a BYU grad. So uh, it's unfortunate for him. Um, he wouldn't be able to hang anyway, what with his doctorate. So Certain Women um, is a show that is opening March 2nd. Um, it's running for just about two months, so it'll be starting in Salt Lake City at Anthony's Fine Art from the 2nd of March to the 2nd of April, and then it hops on down to Provo to Heirloom Art and Company, where it'll open on the 6th of April, important date, and then uh, for another month, is it closed May 6th? Or 5th May 5th? The 5th is the closing. Okay. Did you hear, did you hear her? There'll be an... Uh, opening reception March 2nd and a closing reception down at Heirloom the night that it closes as well. Uh, we'll have a couple events in between, but before we get into any more details like that, we wanted to just kind of talk about the origins of this show, Certain Women. And you may be able to tell by the sound of my voice, I'm not a woman. <laughs> and I am certain about that. So I'm going to turn all of this time over. He's certain. To, to these four co-creators to explain the story of this. Um, and I'm just going to sit back and listen. So whoever, who wants to start with it? Angela? No? Yes. Okay. Angela's, okay. Angela's so, going to be first go. So we all this. reconnected. You know, this was years after the study abroad. We had all graduated. We reconnected and realized we were all in this st similar stage of life. We were all young mothers still trying to create art. And trying to find that balance is really tricky. And you really need a support system to pursue something like this. It goes with any kind of creative, um, I'll call it a business or endeavor, yeah, would be a, a better word. So we got together, we started doing these sort of art swaps where one mom would take turns watching the kids while the rest of us worked on our art. And it was just this really awesome little community we, we built with each other. And as we were at these little art mommy swaps, we, this discussion came up of, hey, wouldn't that be really neat to see an art show that was all LDS women? We've never seen that, seen that done before. That would be kind of neat. And it wasn't, it was more of a what if kind of thing at that point. Timing was, was really important, I think, to, to mention. We had all felt at different times that this was a show that needed to happen in different ways. You know, some of us saw it as maybe a, a show of artists who are mothers or a show of artists who, who are women. And then we thought, well, what, what's really important to us? And we thought that, that underlying similarity of LDS women artists, because we didn't, we didn't feel like... Um, it would, we felt like it would have been too exclusive if we'd just done mothers, mother artists and things like that. So the timing was inspired. We felt, I, I actually first talked with Angela about this when I said, what do you think? Do you think this is something we need to make happen? And there was a little pushback at first um, uh, because it was kind of a scary big thing to take on and, and we're all busy, but, um, but it turned out to, to fall into place in a, in a beautiful way. And the teamwork that has, um, that has you know, occurred has been, it's been beautiful. And I think that we, none, not one of us could have done the show alone. So it's definitely a team effort. So let's talk about scale for a second. Yeah. There are, how many, how many artists are featured in this show? 
great question. So there, are, I think we have about 40. 41, I think, is mm. the official. So 41. Angela says 41. And everyone submitted one piece. Correct. It was by invitation, correct? Correct. So tell me about the the process that you went through inviting people. How did you choose one way or the other? We did an invitational last year, and we were lucky because half the people we invited were passed away because we got to feature like... <laughs> Then um, you got to choose the art. Exactly. It was wonderful. Um, not that they're passed away, but you understand what I'm saying. The, uh, but inherently an invitational is hard because you're going to let some people down. You're going to make some people's day or week or year, whatever it may be. Um, and it's different from a competition where the merit of their work is less of the deciding factor as opposed to being invited to it. So what was the process? How did you choose it? who's in and who's not? Well, we each um, collected a group of artists that we admired as women. And we admired them as women and we admired their art. And then we went through a process of each of us voting essentially on each one on whether we felt like their um, voice and impact would amplify this um, show. It's the first time we're doing this, and um, so we need it to, to like go big or go home, you know. And so we wanted to have like the most powerful women we could think of in the show right now. Yeah, this is a show that we've sort of always dreamed of seeing. It's the show that we want to go to. It's something we thought would be would have been so impactful, especially in those years when you're first graduating college and figuring out what you're doing to see other other women around come together. And we're used to seeing these women, you know, in different places, different shows with themselves. And um, we thought, man, if we could get them all in one place, these women who inspire us, whose work moves us, who has, you know, impacted our own life and work, how, how awesome would that be to show to someone else? How much would that be a show that I want to go to? Do you think there's a historical version of this show? Or do you think women in art among LDS culture is a new enough kind of venture that you couldn't have a show with 41 artists that looked back on the history of LDS women in art. I think social media has made it possible for us to, to gather this community. I think it's always been there, mm -hmm. but I think that we're, I think it only could happen at this time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just racking my brain trying to think of, can I name 40 LDS women artists who were working before the year 2000, 1990. I don't know. I don't think I could do it. Um, they are probably out there if you look at the records of like who submitted to the Springville Salon. But my assumption is there's not a network that they weren't coming together like you four came together either through BYU or a study abroad or an academy or whatever it may be. Um, so I've been... I've questioned personally, is this really the first time anyone's ever put one of these together? Am I confident in making that claim? But then you think, I don't think that this could have been put together 20 years ago without our knowledge um, because the networks just didn't exist and the interest in original art didn't exist either. So once you've chosen your, your artists and it came down to a nice even 41 um, who could we cut out? No. Um, we can add nine more and have a nice 50. Um, and, and we could, Eric. There are yeah. several Honestly, that we would have loved to include. 
some of it had to do with the space. We wanted to make sure that everything was going to fit where we were going to exhibit yeah. because we we could have added have, more. We there was it was a long list before we uh, before we started picking. Yeah, we're talking like in the hundreds. We yeah. went through <laughs> so much and you know, tried and part of it was we needed variety. You know, we wanted to show all the different kinds of art that LDS women artists are making and they're not just doing one type of art and it's fabulous and we really wanted to showcase diversity so we were kind of getting too many of one kind and then we were like all right let's narrow it down you know so um yeah so that's an interesting take sorry to cut you off because I think this is an important distinction to make and it's something that we've debated about within Zion Art Society is if you're holding an exhibition is the most important thing going to be pure quality. If everybody's doing portraits of 19th century friars, but they're doing them flawlessly, could you put on a show of all of those portraits? Or is diversity going to be an important enough thing that you do a show, even though some of the work may be less um, technically challenged or maybe a, a little less sellable perhaps, but well, for the sake of diversity. You want to see who's the best. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think um, you can't sacrifice quality in the name of diversity necessarily for a show. We did look for people sure. who seemed like they were very committed to their craft Yeah. Um, when we were putting this together. Uh, you, you could definitely find someone who is this very strange, you know, it fits into this niche within a niche within a niche. Yeah. But uh, that wasn't necessarily what we were looking for. We were looking for people who seemed like they were committed to their craft and their life. This makes me want to see a show where they hang Rothko's next to Michelangelo's <laughs> for the sake of, we want a diverse look of history of, of inspirational art. Um, and it's not necessarily based on how good you are at painting the human form or how good your landscapes look. Right. We really wanted this to be something that would inspire other women LDS artists or just other artists to it that would be a totally different show if it was the best 40 figure painting female artists you know that would be its own show and that's not what the show was about the show was about you know LDS women artists and so we really wanted to to capture all the different kinds of beautiful things the variety of things that are are being made to help I think it's empowering so to see that I'm I'm touched by this because Zion Art Society's held two previous shows, exhibitions, whatever you want to call them. And the idea behind those two was to get the word out that great stuff is being done. Come look at it. Maybe you can, can even put it in your home. The difference I see here with this show, what you're saying is that it's not about knowing that there's great stuff going on. It's about empathy. It's about knowing that other people are working and inspiring either a new generation or people who are maybe not fully committed or displaying their art publicly to say, look, there's other people out there who are like you who are doing this and, uh, and you can make it happen. You could join in too. Um, I just wanted to hop in here. One of the artists that is in the show has been talking to us and she was asking us, you know, oh, like I'm pregnant. Is that okay? You know, and I was just like, are you kidding? We all have kids. Like, we're all moms. Not all of the artists in the show have kids, but, like, the four creators of the show do. And and we're like, we, you know, this is part of, we just believe that part of being a woman is, you know, having children. And um, 
and I just <laughs> anyway we were just kind of yeah. <laughs> Eric, I'm glad you're touched by this because we couldn't do this show without the Zion's Art Society. Um, because of the, the very, um, well, it's, it's religious, right? It's, it's a religious show, and so we needed someone who could, who could host a religious show and be comfortable with that. And we found that uh, funding, public places uh, were limited in being able to do that. And we also, um, we also wanted to, to be able to give the artists complete freedom on what they chose to put in the show. And to be able to do that, we needed a place that was was willing to be willing to take risks, even if necessary. So complete freedom. But I'm really happy no one painted a 20 foot high <laughs> painting because our yeah. ceilings will not handle that. And our walls are only 10 feet. Well, tall. it's hard to find a home, I think, sometimes where you're dealing with LDS themes, which some galleries may not like. And not all the women in the show, of course, are dealing with LDS themes. They're whatever they've chosen is coming in. Uh, but then you're also um, you're dealing with things that might be um, a little out of the norm for the mainstream LDS audience that maybe are a little to that side. So it's very nice having a, a private place that would support and, you know, well, speaking. Oh, I was just, just going to hit. This goes to a discussion that we've been having a lot more about the destination for this kind of art, right? We've discussed ad nauseum the four legs that we think every arts community should have a marketplace, criticism artist painting and the fourth one is that destination right um and you're right this couldn't have been held at a public institution because it's religious in nature and it's just the nature of they get funding from the government and they can't put on a show that advocates one specific religion that just makes sense right the church couldn't necessarily do it because for one they're booked out years in advance with their exhibition space at the church history museum um we got a little sneak peek in our previous uh, podcast with Laura Rotato about what is coming up at the Church History Museum. And she just told us the next three, and that's going to take us through middle or close to the end of 2019. So you don't want to put a show off for two years because of that. And there's really no other space to exhibit that is church-sponsored. Um, the conference center's out. The visitor centers are out. You can't do it at an individual chapel. So... In your opinions, there's 41 works that'll be hung in this show. Some of them may go into some people's homes, but the rest of them, what's their destination going to be? Sadly, I don't think there is one, Eric. Do you think they're just going to stay in the artist's studio, be hung on their own walls, given to their, their kids? Well, I, f I think every artist hopes that their work will end up in, in someone's home. And you, you know, some, some art pieces are, are your, like your babies and you, you, they're hard to let go, but you know, you want your art to go bless someone else's life and, and influence someone. Would you rather have a painting go into someone? We're playing. Would you rather now, would you rather <laughs> have a painting in someone's home or in, let's say the Salt Lake temple or the conference center or, well, I think Church that depends a lot on what building. kind of art you're making, too. You know, not, you know, the, the temple. That That's some pretty specific kinds of art. And yeah. every artist is, is going to be making that kind of art. And Forget temple. Temple's so, a bad example. Okay. Because <laughs> if a painting goes in the temple, it's basically, they won't ever make reproductions of it. That's just by rule. So, so no one will ever see it unless they have a temple recommend and know where to find it in the temple. So, yeah, some other, like, public church setting. Would you rather it go into someone's home? 
this is just goes to the essence of this question we've been fighting with here. Um, so I think that if it is loved and adored in that home, then great. If it's in a storage room, I might cry. But <laughs> if, it's, if, if it could find um, a museum, a place to live and be seen by a lot of people for a long time, that, that would warm my soul more than anything else. Yeah, sometimes for me, I've, I've had people come and tell me their stories about why they've bought a piece of my work or how it, they've connected with my work. And that sort of it's enriches me. It's part of why I don't just make art, that I do show it, is because that coming back to you, I think when someone owns your work and they have this, this deep personal connection with the message in it, um, that that's amazing. Um, and I don't know, it's nice to have a lot of people have connections with something in a public space and I've certainly had pieces like that myself. And I think if it was something that could connect with a broader audience that way, then sure. But I, I love it when people bring my work home. Oh, um, <laughs> I just think that, you know, each of these women in the show, these, these pieces of art are so, they're all so different. Oh, I mean, they're not all different. I mean, we have genres, but, um, I think it'll scatter. They'll go to all kinds of different defin destinations. I mean, some some people want their work to be public art. Some people want it, you know, in a pub more public sphere, and some people want it just in a show, and they'll just, you know, take it to different shows. There's a lot of different um, contemporary artists, and you know, I think that's I think that's kind of the point is that we're gonna scatter and we're gonna, you know, spread <laughs> um, everywhere. And maybe that's the destination. I don't know. One thing to also remember is now we have this awesome technology that the public sphere is not limited to a building. You have online and you have Instagram and Facebook. And so even if that piece is not being hung up on, on a wall in a public institution, the public can still see it when they're scrolling through their newsfeed. And it, you can reach a really wide audience that way. And I know artists who they'll be in a show and they won't sell the work in the show, but they post it later and then they sell it later from, from this wonderful tool that, that, that we have. So, you know. Or the other way around, that it gets sold on Instagram before it even gets hung on the right, show. Right, right. Like the Which one that I wanted to, to buy from the show. specific show. We're not talking about anyone specific. <laughs> no. I, I really wanted one of the pieces, but someone already bought it from like a drawing they saw of it on Instagram. Um, that's too bad. So, well, that, I, I don't want to talk favorites, but is there a piece or two that stand out to you in this show individually that speaks to you? You don't get to say your own. <laughs> but something where you thought either at the beginning this was an absolute coup that we got this person or this specific painting or something that you've been really surprised at that was an artist maybe you weren't familiar with and you saw that painting and said, oh my goodness, that either changed me or changes how I'm going to paint going forward or I just want it in my house. Is there one that stands out? Okay, I know I can't pick my own piece, but can I pick one of the co-creator's pieces? Like... And, and now the, you're just going to so, offend one of the other, the I know, other two, I'm sorry, though. But. I love all your work. <laughs> I really do. Um, but just as we, we get to discuss our own work with each other, like while we were making this show, we're also making our own pieces for the show and discussing the ins and outs of our own pieces. So Katie's piece really touched me. Um, she has these hands coming in, and Katie's work is always so symbolic and, like, touches me in a way. Like, she's able to put into words and images, like, feelings that I'm so grateful someone else could put those for me. Mm -hmm. And so 
all of the symbolism she has in in this piece that like when you first look at it can look really simple and then as you realize all the sim- symbolism in it of the roles of women and the creation it just I found it very very inspiring I've been so. struck because I've been collecting all these pieces that they've been coming in and I've been kind of stacking them up and looking at each one as they come in they are so symbolic they're so much more allegorical than shows we've previously done which are a lot more illustrative I mean we're we previously got a lot more that were just kind of portraits that were illustrating a Bible story, perhaps that were, um, oil on canvas. And, uh, you could look at it and say, yeah, that's a Robert Barrett painting, or that is a Gary cat painting. And you know it. And I've had ones come in that I've looked at and said, I have no idea what this is. I've never heard of this person before, but I am absolutely obsessed with this or their application of color here. And it's, it's interesting that way because um, obviously the variable that you would pick out would say this is a women's show, right? So do you think there's something to the idea that women understand symbolism better? Or well, is it a generational thing? Well, I think also, you know, people saw the title of our show. They saw when we when we sent out these invitations, a lot of the women took that title and took that thesis and they ran with it. And we let it be up to them. You know, we didn't want to tell them what to make because we thought that would honestly kind of weaken the show if we were telling them what to make. Um, and But some women really did. They made new work. They The theme really was important to them. And so we did get lots of these really deep pieces. I was the one that was collecting the artist statements. And can I tell you what a joy that has been <laughs> to like read? Are you getting about artist each... statements without actually seeing the yeah, image? Yeah, without though? actually <laughs> seeing the. Well, yeah, yeah, so I'm getting. What these, is this going to be? Right. And I, really, truly, like, I'm like, wow, this sounds really neat. What's it's it going to look gonna like? It's just going to be a blue canvas. And then, just... and then I would find, oh. then it would, the piece would later get posted on social media and I would see it there. Oh. And it would be like, oh, yeah, that is those. not what I expected, <laughs> but that's really neat. And to be like, wow, look at all those those layers and layers of meaning that she incorporated in this painting. Yeah. And so that was, I mean, so you've had the opposite are, experience <laughs> for me where I'm seeing everything without any artist statement. I'm like, uh, I can't really piece together what's going on here. And your version seems a little a bit more uh, enriching at the end of the day. <laughs> Mine's going to be, Oh, but like you Eric, you idiot. Why couldn't you figure that out? Yeah, I think you've seen part two, since all of these artists, like we said, unlike the 50 years show, they're all alive. Nobody's dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing a little bit of a trend in, in LDS art um, where personal meaning is becoming more important. Um, you're seeing less people, I think, who are specifically just painting narratives, but they're more, there is like an expression of personal devotion that I think comes into play perhaps a, a bit more, at least I can see as a bit of a trend in this show. I don't know if you guys feel the same way that um, people are trying to get at something that's very important to them. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to look up <laughs> what uh, the artist's name. It was Erin um, Colette. Her piece, uh, "The Dawn of Eve." I just lo- every time I'm looking at it, I'm like, "Why is there a cat there?" And like, you have to see it. It's fascinating. It's um, that's the biggest teaser to a painting that I can think of. <laughs> it's called "The Dawn of Eve." It. Why is there a cat there? <laughs> 
I've seen it, so, so I know what it's, it's going to look it's like. But if that's not a teaser to get you into the show, in the lap of her father, and it's um, you know about Eve, and it's just in a circle, and it's so symbolic, like you said, allegorical. And anyway, it's yeah. There's a lot of pieces that are so great. Eric, I haven't seen all the pieces yet, so I can't I can't fairly say that I have a favorite. But I am Good excited. Good cop out. <laughs> yeah. I I'll give you an answer after it's hung. <laughs> um, I do think that it's important to note that there's a, a common thread that's going to be amplified in this show, and I'm excited to see what that what that is. Um, it's also neat to to note that a lot of these artists are coming from out of state, and so this isn't just a Utah LDS woman's artist show as well. Yeah. That's really exciting. I, like I said, I've been able to see uh, a little more than half of them, I think, that have come past me so far. And I'm excited to get them hung up on the wall and to get them uh, next to each other, to get them lit, to get everything kind of set and together. It's going to be really exciting. The show is going to open March 2nd. Um, so after this podcast, go make your your reservations for dinner and then come out. March 2nd, we're going to have a, an opening gala, we'll call it, um, that evening till about 9 o'clock. So uh, if you want, there's a Crown Burger across the street <laughs> from Anthony's downtown. It's the best you can do. Um, or uh, just just come by, stop by, enjoy. Um, any other final statements we want to make? Just thank you. I'm very excited to see it. If you don't have a chance to come up to Salt Lake again, it's going down to Provo, um, to Heirloom Art and Company. Um, we at Design Art Society have been thrilled to get be able to participate. Um, putting together a show is not easy, and it's not always fun. And last year after we did our show, I told Micah, I'm not doing any more shows. This is awful. All it is is shipping. All you're doing constantly is logistics. It's like a UPS commercial. Um, and then we had this group came to us and asked if we'd be willing to co-sponsor whatever, um, whatever that was supposed to mean. And we said, sure, we'll figure it out. And a show materialized and it is probably more thoughtful than anything, uh, Micah or I could have come up with. And we're going to have some interesting events coming up that you'll be able to learn more about. I'm posting them on, uh, our Zion Art Society Facebook page. Um, so you can go to that. It's facebook.com slash Zion Art Society. And uh, you can follow us specifically on Instagram, on Facebook, or check our website, zionartsociety.org, for more information. You can uh, download and share this podcast if you would like to share your information that way as well. And then follow all of these artists. We'll have a list up and links to their individual websites. Um, so you'll be able to see all of those individually. Um, stop in, see the show. I'm a little bit hesitant to put all of the works up online because I worry it's this weird balance you have to walk of. If you've seen it online, you've seen it that you don't need to come see it in person. Um, but there's also, like you said, a lot of people out of state that won't be able to come see it. So we'll be putting them up um, as the show gets closer and uh, we hope everyone enjoys it. I'm going to thank Angela and Emily and Katie and Nicole for coming. Again, there's a hashtag on Instagram. What is it? Hashtag certain women. Certain women art show. Certain shit I did the other day. A lot of the art a lot of the artwork does come up posted by those individual art artists okay. from their accounts. So if they've used it on their work, 
There you go. Okay. Hashtag certain women art show. Um, and that is probably the best way actually to find all the artists. If you're savvy with the Instagrams on the internet machine, there is also a Facebook page, um, invitation as well that you can look up as well. And it has like the addresses and things like that. Okay. So you can find it. We're going to link to this all on our website. Um, zionartsociety.org under the podcast tab. Um, so you'll be able to find all of this information again. Thanks you four for coming. It's been a blast. I'm excited to see the show again. Um, come check it out. Anthony's fine art and then heirloom art and company through the end of, or through the beginning of May, certain women, uh, the first ever art exhibition of exclusively LDS women and curated by LDS women. Thank you all. I want to thank Angela, Emily, Katie, and Nicole for joining us for this discussion. Uh, We're really excited to be able to open the show. Again, my name is Eric Bigert. Uh, This is Mormon Visual Culture. We hope that you're subscribing on iTunes. Um, You can also download the podcast on zionartsociety.org forward slash podcast. Share it with your friends, rate and review it on iTunes, and uh, enjoy the show. (laughs) 